Hello, H. Hello once again. I had a good one, Dan. Hello, H World. Sorry, I'm going to let you start that again. Okay. Hello. Okay. Hi. Hi. Sorry. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. This is I'm good. Ready. This is a great bit. It's a great segment. Um, Hello, H World. Hi. Okay, it wasn't that great. I'm Becky. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan. <laughs> Just trying to think of new things. And this is the H yeah. word. Um, yeah. It's week four of quarantine. Um, it's, it is week four. Why is yeah. that funny? It's funny because I, uh, I, in the most complete way yesterday, lost track of, uh, what day it was. Mm, um, yeah. I was sure it was Sunday and it was in fact Monday. Um, today I was writing things in my day planner, you know, like change the kombucha on this day and stuff like that. And, um, while I was writing on the day, on today, I forgot what day it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the in the box that was today, yeah, I was writing yeah. the, my to do list uh, for today, and <laughs> couldn't remember what day of the week it was while staring at this. And I, you know, I'm getting plenty of sleep. Um, I'm eating okay, ish. I'm eating pretty well. Yeah. Um, Itor cooks amazing food for me, so I get like really healthy meals plonked in front of me. But I also am, on my own make some weird choices when I when I'm wandering around the house. Um, how are you doing, Dan? doing okay doing okay um i texted you yesterday saying i had a uh a thought about things sorry was that yesterday (laughs) it was it was (laughs) i thought that was sunday so maybe yesterday was sunday anyway (laughs) maybe sunday and monday switched um there's no rules okay anyway go on yeah exactly uh so i hold on I'm looking for, I've nailed it here. Uh, so my the thought I had, it's it's. Uh, we were talking in an earlier episode about being basic. Well, here it is. Oh, um, you're, are you are you basic? Kind of. I was watching Oprah. Uh, Oprah <laughs> this is another reference to the Oprah Talks uh, series that's going on. So she had one of her guests was Anthony Ray Hinton. He was the author of uh, a um, a book about being in solitary confinement. He was falsely imprisoned for twenty years, and he was on death row, and he was in solitary for. A large part of that time. Okay. And she was like, we're, we're talking to you because of uh, people are in, in quarantine and dealing with small spaces and and, um, and being confined. Uh, and so I know there is very little actual comparison between what we are in and prison. No, but, there is. Uh, well, yeah, okay. It feels a bit weird. It feels a bit bad to do that yes. comparison. But, yes. uh, okay, I'll admit there's some comparison. Um, but the thing that... He that he said that came back to me the other day um, was this idea of you need to put your other life behind you. You cannot think about it because uh. if you think about it, you will miss it, and it will drive you nuts. And missing is the is the thing that keeps you stuck. Um, and uh, I the thought occurred to me while. Uh, running up and down the st- uh, the staircase in my building, <laughs> which is you know again you don't live in prison your life is quite good but that's a prisony image. It's such a prisony image. It's like yeah. this concrete, stark concrete, uh, echoey, um, like uh, this. Like I was starting to get to know the different walls of the floors. You know, I'd oh. be like, oh, oh, floor nine has this little scratch on it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> starting to like see uh, things like that, and 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 I was like. Well, once I once I was sort of you know sweating a bit and having that feeling wash over me, it was like such a pleasant feeling. Um, oh, like to... a, it's like a be here now. It's a meditative feeling. Yeah, and it was like imagine my life is all like this is all of my life. Truly imagine it, and in that sort of physical activity, it was I was able to feel it, and it was so pleasant, so much more pleasant than the feeling of. Um, uh, wondering if life will click back to normal. Yeah, it's be here now. It's yeah. The, the I was um, texting with a buddy Chris Locke today about some of this stuff. I really like his thoughts. Um, I don't I don't want to speak for him or anybody, but I consider him to be someone who's who's put a lot of thought and energy into this sort of work. And um, he was talking about just sort of knowing that within yourself is is a is a calm, clean place. And that we all have that. So these external things don't, they will affect us, but 
they don't have to so much if we can understand what's wonderful inside us. That's my thought. I won't, I won't attribute that to Chris. I'll try to have him on the show and ask him questions. That's nice. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to meditate and I have not, I've been pretty inconsistent about it. Oh yeah. But I find the the sewing very meditative. Yeah. I can't meditate. I have a real problem with it. Oh really? Yeah. My therapist always wants me to do it, and I'm like, sure, yeah, yeah, okay, and then I just can't. Um, I'll, I can try with you if you'd like, and if you don't want, then I won't. I can try to tell you some stuff. You can try with me? Like, we would do it together? We could. <laughs> but what do you mean when you say, I can try with you? Like, guide you through a couple things to get you okay. kind of rolling. Uh, Ron, okay. Pe- Ron Peterson, another buddy, was the one who kind of started me off on this specific kind of meditation. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, it, it's like I get it when I do it, but it's just about forming a habit around it. Ah, I see. Um, and yeah. it's, it's, um, it's, it, it can be, I've found, it can be quite unpleasant. Oh, interesting. And that's important to understand that it's, it's uh, this is just my, my experience and my, everything I know is very cobbled together from a few things friends have said, but like sitting with the, all the sort of babble of your brain is part of it. And, and feeling it being having bad feelings around that is, is part of it. And then I guess the goal is to let it go, but I haven't gotten anywhere close to there. But I still think it's useful. Huh. It's a, uh, I, I hadn't heard it described that way, and that's interesting. That's, co- that's more compelling than what I Yeah, so before. maybe, okay, maybe we'll do some stuff then and see. Um, so last episode, I was like really spaced out. Um, we'll say we got reached out to by a couple people. Um, we definitely confuse Fahrenheit and Celsius. Oh yeah, we did. In describing that. fevers, but I'm going to double uh. down because I, I, I don't like making mistakes. Very, I very strongly don't like making mistakes. Um, it it feels bad in my skin. So I'm just going to say that the H word's stance now is that the inside of the human body is around 98 degrees Celsius. <laughs> now, see, I just want to, I just want to point out a little subtlety with that is that. You you were just you were like oh inside my body is hell because you were actually thinking Celsius but I no I was switched... thinking Fahrenheit I, I just oh, you was were. saying Celsius I think yes I to be yeah, clear okay okay good good to be clear I do think that ninety eight degrees Fahrenheit is hell and I just was saying the wrong things but it doesn't matter because our stance now is that the inside of the human body is ninety eight degrees Celsius that is our stance we said it and what we say is true mm-hmm. um, within our world mm-hmm. uh, so the yeah. So the H word today is hot as hell. That's right. <laughs> Near boiling. We're just we're just we're just Sesame Street now. <laughs> Why do you think that, that steam comes out of your mouth? You're boiling inside. That's right. It's you're, hell. You're about to just boil over. And when you have a fever, that's when your blood starts to actually boil. That's when the steam comes out of your ears and your face turns red and it's a little cartoon sound. So, so dangerous. Um, I hate making mistakes. So <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah, I I was thinking about it in Says the shower. Says an improviser. Uh, that's different. I don't know. Making mistakes in improv is doing improv right. Ah, uh, okay, I, yeah. It's okay. I have this memory of so I was in French immersion, so I learned English after French in school. My spelling was really, really, really bad, and I had this teacher, and his name was Mr. Reeves or Mr. Greaves or something. My fourth grade teacher, and he like shamed me in front of the class for how bad my um, spelling test scores were Mm. and I got really upset and studied really really hard and the next spelling test like a week later I aced and he accused me of cheating oh my god and I hate I I mean still that was fourth grade I hate that that man still yeah that sounds like a deep scar I hate him and for Christmas my mother insisted that I give him a gift, which <gasps> was, she chose, which was a soap on a rope. <laughs> and I, I, I had to give him this. Which rat- is funny because it's a weapon, essentially. You could have clocked him with it. I don't know what the point of a soap on a rope is. I didn't even think about it because I hated it. So I hated him so much. I actually can't remember if I gave it to him or threw it in the garbage because I wanted to throw it in the garbage. You're right. He did not deserve that soap on a rope because I did exactly what he asked and he shamed me. He didn't, be- he didn't believe that I was good at, I got good at spelling. 
That wow. man. I asked for a dictionary for Christmas because of that man. I mean, let's be fair. His name is probably Greaves at this point. <laughs> I can't. I also can't tell if I've conflated his name with just that Pixies song. But uh, here comes your man, Mister Greaves. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, he's probably dead now. Um. <laughs> so buried with a soap on a rope. <laughs> probably fell on him choked him i don't know this is yeah. terrible I, this is too dark okay i um i i i finished the newsletter i published a newsletter hey um so it, i and then also today i figured out that you can tell who's read it so thank you to marta oh my god thank you to you're gonna read out the thank you <laughs> this is careful this is a bit te- mr greaves you're doing right now you're shaming those who haven't read it i'm actually not shaming them because i've subscribed to the mailing list and it goes to a folder i can't find so i don't judge you at all for not reading this but <laughs> i would like to thank marta risco risco for reading it she's done all our identity design and leah bukaraf one of our former guests Anyway, that's the whole list. <laughs> Two readers. <laughs> Two readers. And also, and also, that's counting like clicks, right? This uh, might have been an that might have been an accidental click. I guess I don't know how it works. Again, there is I, I judge you not because I tried to sign up for the mailing list because I was like, I didn't get the last one. I sent it out. They were like, you're already subscribed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but I I don't care how many people read it. I actually really, really enjoyed writing it. And I went through like, you know, each each one is like four different episodes. I went through all the links. Um, mm. And there was some really cool stuff to read. Although this is so far back that this is like right before any of this became real. And it's a bit eerie to listen to. Mm. We uh, we were t- texting earlier and what, dis- what prompted us to record was talking about nostalgia. Yeah. Um. And when you're talking about putting links in a newsletter, it makes me think about uh, this story that I found that prompted this whole discussion that might be a good audio ending for this episode. Um, I think I have the capability to do that. That's great. So what I what I was texting you about was uh, in the 90s, Coca-Cola tried to launch a Gen X friendly (laughs) soda called OK Soda. Oh, yeah. With covers, cans designed by like... (laughs) <laughs> in the comic artists like, like Dan Klaus like Dan Klaus and Charles Burns and uh and it's I had no idea some Americans on this like Twitter thread seemed much more familiar with it even at the time yeah I don't remember I, it yeah I think it might have been one of those things you know like um how we had like certain chip flavors that only came to Canada because they like try to test market or whatever uh, I think that we probably weren't the test market at all for okay soda and it's um, sort of like it's sort of like apathetic branding yes it's, like, it's harnessing uh gen x ennui it actually and the image kind of reminds me of that guy bob like the kind of happy man with the pipe that was on all the acid uh like from our crumb what do you mean it was like this guy it was he sort of looks like a dad and he's got like a big smile and a pipe and he would be on tabs of acid is this mr natural you're talking about maybe there's like a robert crumb character called mr natural with oh, a no. big beard no no not a beard just like a kind of clean-shaven guy. I'll see if I can find it. With a pipe. I don't know about this pipe. Yeah, maybe there isn't a pipe. Um, so, yeah, it was like uh, uh, this like kind of like early Radiohead album vibe mm. uh, of like, so on the, side, on the side of the can, there was a toll-free number you could call, 1-800-I-FEEL-OKAY, and you could listen to these audio recordings of just like... I don't know, general ennui, like a, a sort of like movie phone type voice would answer and, and sort of give you these snippets of kind of, uh, uh, you know, like... Um, like it's just like Ethan Hawke saying, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so um, well, I thought it was delightful. There's a there's a snippet on the Wikipedia about, uh, about Dan Klaus, like not wanting to do it and then seeing the check and saying that it paid for more than five whole graphic novels and so he just cashed the check and hoped it didn't take off and it didn't oh it's amazing it's like crispin glover funding his weird art films by making charlie's angels movies right you have to at a certain point yeah there was a point also when like in the 90s when like the sort of don't sell out just morphed into i need some money (laughs) really did so yeah. 
Oh, the people who are telling me not to sell out have trust funds. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Cool for you, Sonic Youth, but I can't. <laughs> um, well, I've been in this weird, like, 90s nostalgia space, too. Um, I, I watched a whole bunch of Weird Al videos. He posted something a little problematic. Oh, well, everything. He, he, post, he posted a, a version of Fat with no words. I saw this. You know, not a great song to kind of bring back, uh, right? <laughs> Ever? Yeah. Um, but I will say, though, that uh, to reference a, a previous episode... If you want the best response to that song you're ever going to find, watch Work in Progress, which is on Showtime, whatever the American was. I think it's on Crave in Canada. Showtime, yeah. Um, but but that responds to Weird Al very well. Well, uh, because I listen to that show, I watch, uh, because I listen to the, to Tony Mendoza's yeah. appearance on the show, I watch Work in Progress. It's an incredible show. Isn't it? Um, yeah. And it's so funny to me that Weird Al would do that show and then still repost fat. Like he was on the show <laughs> and, yes and, uh, yeah well maybe it's like this is a better way i don't know <laughs> yeah the image anyway. the images are still there anyway it did make me go down a rabbit hole of spending a night watching like a bunch of his old videos yeah and the the video for just the song poke your eyes out makes me so happy i can hardly deal with it <laughs> it's like one of his <laughs> earliest poke medleys uh. oh it's so good and, and so like escapist, also Weird Al, we really need you in these times. So just fine tune it a bit because you're almost perfect. So right. Well, he already publicly declined the offer to do My Corona. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't offer Weird Al songs, right? No, people were just tweeting at him that he should do that. And he that. was like, guys, I'm not doing that. No, that's been done. No, he's. He, well, it's not that even that it's been done. He's just like, he's like, I can do better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hasn't he done a My Sharona? I don't know. Seems shocking that he wouldn't have. Um, but I I also watched the first half of Empire Records for the first time. I've never seen that. I haven't either. Um, it's, it's a very weird movie. Yeah. Because my impression of it, it came out in, I think, 98 or something? Or no. No, no, no. That's not true. No, earlier than 92. That. Sorry. That was wrong. Um, yeah. But it's... It's weird because I remember my impression of it at the time being like I wasn't super interested in it when it came out. Um, but I realized like the characters in this movie are my age. Yes. But it was intended for like a younger audience. So it's sort of like, I think, so it's sort of like commodifying my cohort and, yes. and then like selling the mystique of us to younger people. So it's like an eerie, almost correct kind of mirror world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... I haven't finished it yet, but it felt like a, it felt like an appropriate way to be experiencing nostalgia right now because it's wrong, and it feels wrong. Wait, because because Empire Records is wrong, or because nostalgia is wrong? I think nostalgia is bad, maybe. And I I wish I could articulate this stuff better, but John Hodgman did like an interview a long time about nostalgia being negative, or maybe for how stuff works. They did like a how nostalgia works thing, and he was like, "It's really bad." Um, my friend David Deneen Porter also just posted something on Twitter about like declining empires always revel in nostalgia. So to give mm. in so to give into it feels like um, not a way to prepare for the future and what changes will come. And Empire Records was like, well, great, because this is not my nostalgia. So this is really it, it feels eerie. It feels bad. And that seems correct. Huh. I guess I don't I guess I don't know what like what feeling they're talking about when they say that like to revel in it like i guess just to feel to feel sated by it like it's also that... well it's like it's numbing it's a, there's also a feeling of like we did it better well, like because i'm in my 40s you're in your late 30s uh -huh. like we're getting to that age of like oh why can't it just be like the world that we made when we were in our teens and 20s but that mm. world has led us here so having nostalgia for that is bad you're allowed a little bit, I think, but like, like watching Weird Al videos and laughing at night feels like a good kind of relaxation. Yeah. But wishing everything was like the world of reality bites is not. Yeah. Like, I, I, I guess that's ultimately the road to like close mindedness later in life where you just like are no longer happy with the world you live in. 
Yeah. Why, um, why didn't it just go our way? Yeah. So, like, I would say, then I would say nostalgia is fine as long as it doesn't lead to that. Right. But I, I feel like I need to watch, I, I, I need to be vigilant about that. Right. Because it really can be, and you and I were talking about, like, Soma, like, the the Brave New World drug. Like, we need to Soma ourselves a little bit right now. But I'm really scared about doing too much of that. Because I always have these tendencies. I always want to just like relax and not work. And there's also like sort of the stuff of like, take care of yourself. Don't worry. You're, you're not working from home. You're trying to get work done at home. And these are all true. But I also think that that sort of advice needs to be diagnostic. Because for me, this is not so different than my normal life. And I can't use these excuses. I, I, anyway, I'm battling with this thought. Is it an excuse to just stop working? Or should we adjust to the new normal and still try to get things done well this is the the uh, i'm going to bring back something roger said to me roger bainbridge said to me was this is still time um yeah and that that seems applicable here of like we're still living our lives yeah like if you're if you're going to go down a rabbit hole of weird al yankovic it's like you just need to know that that's what you're doing tonight and it still it still falls in the arc of your life. <laughs> like it's not, it's not because, uh, it's not because this is like f- free time. This yeah. is just, this is just more time. And if you need healing and if you need, this is why, what I mean about being diagnostic. If you need to hear that you don't need to get stuff done right now, you don't need to get stuff done right now. If it's yeah. stressing you out and being terrible. But I also know for myself, like, Setting these routines is something that was just a continuation of what I was working towards before. And I, I, it won't be good for me to allow this to completely interrupt that. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be productive because I, I also think we're going to come out of this change. The world's going to be changed. We mm-hmm. need to know how to work in that new world. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think you're I think the word diagnostic is very uh, key here. Yeah, um, this is the thing. Case by case. No advice works for everybody, really. I guess except, yeah. like, be kind to others. But even that, don't be kind to people who are being awful to you. Distance yourself. Don't don't, don't be kind to joggers. Oh, God, no. Our jogger fear has made it to the front page of CBC. Did you... Have you seen that? Uh, they're, they're talking... They were talking about it on, like, cross-country checkup. People were calling in genuinely concerned. Yeah. And there's, there's CBC people who listen to the show, so... Maybe a bit of an influencer situation. I don't think they're reading the newsletter. Mm. <laughs> right. Well, we it's... know they're not reading the newsletter. <laughs> it's so weird that I can see their names. I don't want to. I probably won't look again. Nah, I will. <laughs> I will. Um, I will. What was I going to say? I had something else to say. You were going to say something about your middle name. <laughs> <laughs> I, Dan, I don't think that was it. Oh, okay. What were you going to say? Oh, oh, I know what it was, but I'll tell you my middle name after. You have to tell me yours, though. This is a, okay. this is a great part of our best friend journey. Learning <laughs> each other's middle names. <laughs> Next step, get our middle names tattooed on each other. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is that I've been in the position before of, like, being told, like, if you're having a hard time, like, you, you shouldn't be working right now. And... And people saying like, yeah, with say mental health or, or difficult lives, like it's important to understand that if I'm say running a writer's room, that I give people the space that if they're going through something really tough, they can not work. And I have so much trouble with being told that because that would be my entire life. And Because you're always going through something hard. I have been going through something hard for over a decade now. Like yeah. the list of things is incredible. And I know that I need to take space for myself, but it's not just not working because working through trauma, I just, it has been my life and I wouldn't have done the things I've done if I hadn't, if I just shut down work every time something horrible happened. Mm -hmm. As if, as if you could completely, um, you know, excise some trauma so that you could then perfectly and completely go back to work. Well, the other thing is I wouldn't have any money any money right and so when people are like if you need time take it i get that and there were i mean itor talked about this on the last episode so i can speak about it but during the time that he was going through electroconvulsive therapy 
it was extremely difficult on me and I probably should have taken some time, but I didn't have the money to do it. What's the support there? Where's that money come from? And I just want to put that out there for people who say that, like as if there's a solution that you can go away, get better and come back Mm -hmm. or go away, erase your traumas and get back to work. Mm -hmm. And I, I talk about this though, because I also think that that's the position we're all in now Mm -hmm. that we're going to have to work through trauma and figure out what that is. And the balance between protecting ourselves and also, I think, living life is dangerous. And we need to accept that. It always has been. Yeah. Sorry, did I bring you down? No, no. Do you want to know my middle name? What is it? Elenia. (laughs) (laughs) Can you spell it? Um, E-L-E-N-Y-A. N-Y-A, Elenia. It's the uh, security question for nothing. So fuck you, hackers. <laughs> and when I heard that for the first time, I said, sounds Russian. It is Russian. And my, is Russian. my parents plonked Elenia right in the middle of Becky Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, just they, the strangest Oreo cookie I've ever seen. May they rest in peace. What a funny gift. Um, <laughs> they almost called me Svetlana. <laughs> Svetlana. So I guess Sveti? It would yeah. be it would be Lana. I think I could be a Lana. Mm-hmm. Um, um I have three. Peter oof. Patrick and Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so We both have ludicrous situations. <laughs> yours is like an I I, a, yours is like an Irish band. <laughs> my it's like a nursery rhyme in the middle of my name. <laughs> yeah. It's like a like a tongue twister, like a vocal warm up. Oh, this is fantastic. Well, my name's yeah. now some sort of slur. <sighs> so I got to live with that all the time. That sucks. Guys, I get it. It's about privilege. But like Karen, Becky, people are named this. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah. It's all I have left of my parents. Please don't. I hate hearing my name now. And I get it. <laughs> I accept the politics of it. That's why I have to take it. But it sucks. <laughs> This is this is like becoming a thieve throughout stuff is like your relationship to being basic. Oh, I'm so basic. <laughs> Which is it's just so funny to hear you say that because you are the least basic person I know in my life. I think I don't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't know what it means. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure you do. I'm making mistakes. Uh, I don't know Fahrenheit. I don't know Celsius. I don't know what basic is. Uh, is it alkaline? <laughs> okay. That's a pH joke. I know. Yeah. I, anyway, I, I don't know. I have a basic name. And one of the things that someone, I can't remember who said this to me, like years and years ago, they were like, your name sounds like the name of a character in a commercial. <laughs> like, hmm. hi, I'm Becky Johnson. Are you having trouble getting all the dust off your countertops <laughs> or something yeah, like that? Like not even, like not even uh a TV show, a commercial. Yeah, the name's like, like a, a the, holder for what someone's real name would be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will admit that I had heard about you before I met you, and I did think you would be different than who you are. Uh, when I turned, I started dating. One of his friends was like, well, what is she, a cheerleader? Which, <laughs> uh, I'm not. <laughs> uh, some sort of, um, uh, to quote, oh, I can't remember who said this. Uh, some newspaper called me a goth librarian. <laughs> mm, right. Some newspaper. Wow. In a review of like a Some intrepid reporter. <laughs> yeah. They were just stalking me. The, the poppies are after us. Pappers? Anyway. Uh, this Pew. has been a very Pew. long update. Okay. Well, we can cut it there then. I talked most of the time. And I listened most of the time. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. We talked. Do you want to hear this interview with Rick Andrews? Yes, please. He lives in New York City, so. Wow, okay. Um, buckle up. Yeah. All right. Um, let's listen to that. Bye, Dan. Thank you for listening. Okay. Bye. Talk to you soon. Um, hi, everybody. It's Becky. I'm back with my buddy, Rick Andrews from New York City. Hello, Rick. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Is it good? It's going fine. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm personally doing totally fine, okay. but it's, it's existentially scary. Um, okay, we're going to get back to that. But the first question I usually ask is, who are you? How do you define yourself? How would you like other people to think of you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Um, I, uh, I live in New York. Um, I'm an improviser. I teach improv at the Magnet Theater. I teach corporate improv training. I perform with a guy named Louis Cornfield every week. Um, so yeah, I do improv full time. It's really joyful and, uh, like a fake job. So I've, I'm constantly feeling really grateful that I get to do that. I like running. I like psychology. I like death metal. I like whoa. writing. I like reading. Yeah, whoa, indeed. This is great. Yeah. That was, that's me in a nutshell. Oh, uh, I like wonderful. I like learning about anything, I think. Um, where are you from originally? I grew up mostly outside of Boston. I was born in Connecticut, lived outside of Philly for until I was like 10, and then I spent most of my like adolescent time uh, in Boston, outside of Boston in the suburbs. So you're from the tough parts of America, in my mind. <laughs> no, not even. It just, you don't the find suburbs, it tough? No, not, the suburbs not, not, are Not the suburbs, I mean like, like that Boston? area. People are, no. are hard, no? Uh, not really. You don't think so? Like, specifically in like Southie, like if you were to go to South Boston, like when people think Boston, they think like Boston, like it's it's literally just like a tiny neighborhood where people are like that. Um, so if I grew up there, then I would, I would have, I would be hard. But you're not. But, but I'm not. No, I grew up in a, a affluent suburb. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a softie. I'm a total softie. Um, okay. So, so how is all this feeling in New York? Let's start with that. I think the, it's, it's surreal because it's a lot of like, if I hadn't checked the news, you know, at all, there, there wouldn't be, and I just been in my apartment there, you know, there wouldn't be a lot to notice in a weird way, except there is an ambulance like every 10 minutes. All day and um, night? It feels that way, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not, we're not that, there's there's like maybe three hospitals within like a mile and a half, but but I'd say that's not uncommon in New York City. It's not like we live right next to a hospital. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that has been really noticeable in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, yeah, I feel like um, I, I have a background in like uh, research psychology. I, I, consider myself like relatively like science literate and i think when this all started going down i i was just like need to read from experts and i just started reading tweets and blogs and stuff and i i think i very quickly was like oh this is going to be forever (laughs) this is going to be like a long time do you think it's going to last forever not forever but uh so my partner's immune suppressed um so she's pretty highly at risk so i think for the two of us it's hard to imagine quarantine lasting I think there are some really, um, it, it's plausible that we'll be able to come out of quarantine earlier than this, but I think until there's a vaccine, it, it's possible we might be here until there's a vaccine do, doing what we're doing right now. And what are, you, what are you doing right now? We, um, we are living in our apartment, which, which is, you know, a privilege. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we're not really going anywhere. I, uh, I go out for a short walk. I live right next to Fort Tryon Park. So I go out for a socially distanced walk in the morning. Um, and, and I'm astonished at people's different, uh, definitions of six feet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's the same here. Two meters for you all. Yep. I saw some, a thing online where it was like a sign in a park in Canada. It was like, keep, keep a hockey stick away. And I was like, oh, that's adorable. Yeah. I think um, it's really charming actually, because it's like, it's true. It's something you can visualize and it's, yeah. and it's also a little bit of levity. It's like, this is serious, yes. but also we can't be dour because we're going to be like this for a year. Yes. Someone drew in chalk like six feet on on the sidewalk at the entrance to the park and like drew what six feet was. Yeah, um, I'm I was talking to a friend about this because I'm five foot ten, so I'm like six feet in heels. There you go. And she was suggesting like I should just do a bunch of pictures of me lying on the ground in high heels and be like, <laughs> This is how far you should be from Stay someone. Stay one I- Becky away. <laughs> yeah. I picture myself lying down between myself and the next person, and that's pretty far. Um, but yeah, think, people people out yeah. there are doing all kinds of whatever. Yeah, and I think in my neighborhood, like, um, I don't know. Now everyone's taking it really seriously. But there was like a definitive two-week period where, from what I had read, I was like, oh, this is really, really bad. And But, but you would go outside and no one had masks and like no one was trying to stay far apart. And like, I think that it, it's been kind of... Now that people are really dying in, in really large numbers in the city, it's it, it's really hit home for people. Yeah. Um, I remember I was having a conversation with our school director at the beginning of the month, 
And I was like, this Chrono thing is bad. And she was like, nah, I don't know. I think it's going to be fine. And we made a bet. I was like, do you think we're going to have to cancel a single class or show as a result of it <gasps> before April 1st? And she said no. And uh, and then, like, literally, like, five days later, like, every single thing was canceled. <laughs> like, it just it just happened so quickly. It was kind of like, oh, this is bad. Oh, we might oh we might not have class next week. And then oh, we're shut down indefinitely. Like, it was very... It was very rapid, I think. It happened um, like that here, too. Like, I did a show on a Thursday night, and we were like, from what we had understood, it was like, well, if we stay far enough apart and we space out the audience, it's fine. And by yeah. Monday, you aren't supposed to be leaving your apartment. So I remember very specifically, it was I taught, it was Wednesday night that the NBA shut down. So I, I my partner and I had talked all day. She'd already been working from home uh, for about a week and a half. But it was like, okay, do I go and teach my class? And it's was like, well, I'm going to be really careful. I'm not going to touch anything on the subway. Um, I'll wash my hands. And, and I and I remember telling my class, like, hey, wash your hands if you haven't done that. Finish class, totally fine. I was like, hey, you know, we don't know about next week. Everything's still on as far as we know. But, you know, obviously the stuff could change. Went home. Tom Hanks had corona. The NBA was shut down because Rudy Gobert got corona. Oh, yeah, that night. And then the next day we all got on a call and we were like, we need to close. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into like an email fight with my physical therapy place because that Friday – they like sent out this email that was like, we care about you and we're still open. And I was like, please close. <laughs> like you are putting your employees at risk. You're putting your people at risk. And like the owner sent me this email back that was like, I, I was like, this is life or death for people. And she was like, it's life and death for me too. The All my money's tied up in this business. And it's like, that's not your life. That's money. Your money. <laughs> like I think yeah. because of, I don't know. I had this thought last night when I was walking that like, you know, if I like hit someone with my car, I would obviously it would be like a traumatic thing because it would be like, wow, I like killed someone, you know, and I think a lot of people right now are in this position where they they probably they, they have killed someone maybe. Uh, and, they, you know, they, they don't really know. I'm sure there are some people who like they got sick and then their like parent got sick and is really sick or is d- dead. And I, I don't know what that must be like to, to try to deal with that stuff. But the disconnect um, is is weird, too, because we're all killing people all the time. We're buying all this plastic, you know, right. And and that's sort of one of the things that I don't know if that's in all. I've been doing a ton of reading, too. I don't know if that's kind of in your reading is like, well, what about the nonstop disaster catastrophes that were already happening? It's it's just so it's so hard for people to conceptualize uh, like big numbers and like uh, disparate effects. And I think the like kind of Plinko nature of of a pandemic makes it like more clear where it's like. I think there was like a week and a half. Now everybody seems to get it. But like there was a definitive week and a half. Where like Even people I knew who were relatively smart were like, it's the flu. And I'm like, it's not the flu. <laughs> um, and like you have like and be like, I'll be fine. And it's like that is such a selfish attitude because it's like, I don't know. I, I think I saw a lot of people as someone like I think having my, a partner who's immune suppressed like made it made it just so real yeah. right away for me. Because I and I saw people post stuff that was like, maybe you'll know someone who's immune suppressed. And, it's, and I was like, you all know someone who's immune suppressed. Like like people who know my partner and it's like that if you need someone to picture picture you murdering her <laughs> like yeah like you know uh or your parents or like whatever like i think it was for some reason hard for people to i i wondered if improvisers uh, do you have you had this thought if, if this has been slightly easier for improvisers not because specifically we're so no what mentally like so much of what we do and if you're doing it every day is just like okay, I had this preconceived notion about what things were going to be and it's not that and I'm going to let go of that and I'm going to adjust to a new reality. I mean, that's like the whole process of doing a scene, right? Is like, I had this intuition. Oh, they said something else. Here's the new thing. Let me accept that. And I and I think about that week in particular, it was like, I went from like, oh, I'll be inside for a couple of days. Oh, I'll be inside for two weeks. Oh, I'm going to be inside for maybe a year. And it was not easy, but 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 to be able to mentally be like, okay, cool. <laughs> like after a week is 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 odd like with improv too and i don't i don't love to indulge in these conversations too much but sometimes they're very fun it's like you also need the other people on stage as opposed to stand up where it kind of would be good if they all died (laughs) (laughs) that's a very dark way of putting it but like you have to if the other person's not okay on stage and you notice that you have to deal with that in one way or another you have to you have to see it that that's happening yeah uh, I want to go back to this psychology thing. What's the background in psychology? Is that your education? Yeah, kind of. I so I I, I did undergrad in uh, psychology, and then I I did I started uh, in a PhD program for social psychology for for research psychology, um, and I dropped out um, to do improv full time, which which worked out for me, um, even though it seems like a bad decision on paper. Yeah. Um. Uh. But but yeah. So I I, I think um, I think 
you know, not just social psychology, but like cognitive psychology. I think a lot of stuff is like informed the way that I like teach and the way I think about stuff. And I think has given me a real strong belief in like the scientific process and like uh, statistics and numbers and valuing expertise. And it's been an interesting time because I think when, when you talk to people who know a little bit about something, they're way, way too certain. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and when yeah. you hear like real experts talk, they, they express a lot more uncertainty. And I think we don't talk about that enough. And I think we tend to be drawn towards people who speak in, in certain tones, right? Yeah. Who are like, this is the answer. Um, you know, you, yes, I mean, I, I guess I keep coming back to improv because like, that's how I know you, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, when someone's been doing improv for like five years and they think they know everything, it's like, they have like the, the answer for everything and there's the way to do stuff. And then you talk to someone who's been doing it for 20 years and like, yeah, you can do it like this. You can do it like that. You, you know, yeah. just a lot more openness. Um, so well, you, you've come up on a real theme that keeps emerging in the podcast lately, which is chaos and uncertainty. Yeah. And we got to interview an epidemiologist actually I think it was our last in-person interview, um, oh and then God. everything went extra out of control. Um, but he was talking about statistical uncertainty and how to communicate that to the population. Like you hear it, you know, this disease kills this amount of people. It's like, well, oh, no, yeah. we don't, we don't know that. But the news can't, even at their best, unpack an entire um, epidemiological study. Well, there's a couple things. That we, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in, in the U.S., we, we are not very science literate as a culture, which right. on one hand, I'm kind of like, well, these concepts are like slightly complicated. But on the other hand, like, um, I don't know if you follow, if you watch sports at all, but like, like, <laughs> I do not. Like, and I'm excited to have some sports, <laughs> sports. Thoughts so like, here. there's all these like sports analytics and there's these kind of like advanced statistics. And it's like, in the course of a decade, it's gone from like a bunch of nerds and spreadsheets to like announcers will talk about someone's like WAR in baseball or someone's like PER in basketball. And, is this and what like, Moneyball is? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yes. Um, and that's a that's a great book, by the way, if you haven't read that book. I, I, I found it like we- weirdly moving. Michael Lewis is a really good writer. Um, and you don't have to be into baseball at all to enjoy that book, I think. Oh, good to know. Um, I, I, I found it. I was thinking about reading it and then it like appeared in our basement in like the like donate a book pile. Yeah. Uh, like I almost feel like I conjured it there and then, and, but it's, it reeked of mothballs. Like someone had been storing it with like <laughs> a bunch of mothballs. So I, but I like really wanted to read it. So I just, I had to like wash my hands every time I read the book. <laughs> okay. Um, but what you were saying was like, anyway, so yeah, it's like people can understand and digest these concepts, but they seem kind of obtuse about things like, um, effect size. Like I would say the three biggest things that I see in science related that people just don't understand are like the thing you said, which is like, um, confidence intervals and like uncertainty and like forecasts and predictions um like the correlation causation thing and mm-hmm. then like a- effect size um what's that, that just people so when you read a study that says um uh, eating carrots reduces your uh, amount of cancer your chances of getting cancer th- there's two issues with understanding what that might mean one is correlation and causation right so it could just be it doesn't mean that carrots cause you eat, you didn't get less cancer. It could be that people in general who are healthier eat more carrots and they right. also tend to get cancer less, right? And it could be caused by like smoking or something, right? Right. The other thing is that like effect size, right? So if you take, let's say I took a, 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 a huge like public health data set of like a hundred thousand people, you know, I could find a significant, um, difference between groups, but the difference might not be very big, right? So does can't, does eating carrots reduce my chance of getting cancer by, in which case, holy shit, let's all eat carrots right now. Or does it reduce it by like 0.0001%, in which case, don't go out of your way. Why would it even matter, you know? Right. And I think like that never gets covered when when we talk about science and we talk about effect size. You you see this right now and Trump is like blasting this like hydrochloroquine or whatever, this this, like malaria drug. Yeah. And 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 him and his dumb idiots keep being like, there was a study in France, there's a study in France. And like this doctor in France, he, he didn't have a control group. So he just gave a bunch of patients this drug and said, hey, they seem to get better. But like, that's such a basic scientific thing of like needing a control group. But like, most people don't understand what that is or why. I've definitely seen that in the news where it's like, well, this was done without a control group. And I and people, they don't know. I mean, I barely yeah. know what that means, but I believe it. I mean, I know I, what a control group is. I think I often forget that sometimes when people think Oh, scientists say that they, I think what they actually think is that scientists are just a bunch of people who read books and then come up with their own opinions. 
Really? And then just say their opinions. <laughs> like, like that's how it feels where it's like, well, scientists could be wrong. And it's like, they could be, but they would find that out by doing more science. Like, I think people don't understand the process of it and why, right. like, what, 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 what you should be suspicious of when you are digesting science or what kinds of questions you should ask. People just, like, throw stuff out there as if it proves everything or the opposite where they'll just throw something out because it doesn't conform to something they like, you know. Um, I have a question for you. So you said when you found Moneyball that you felt like you conjured it. Do you believe in magic? No. I, okay. I, it was more of an emotional feeling. Yeah. Are, do you believe in magic? Yeah, I think so. Ooh, but an fun. emotional feeling is magic. Anyway, uh, yeah, I bring, I like I bring it up a bit too much. Do you, do you believe in God? I don't. Okay. I don't. I, I, would, I guess um, I would like officially be agnostic, like if I had to fill out a questionnaire. Because mm-hmm. um, I... But but I'm you know I I that makes it seem like ah oh, who knows but you know I feel like I don't have a lot of evidence for that that's my right. um yeah I'm not sure how I feel but I'm really too scared to say that I don't <laughs> <laughs> what if what if there is a god yes <laughs> yeah that's how I feel yeah um, he'll be he'll be super pissed <laughs> yeah I can't I just. I just don't want to risk it. So there's got to be something in me that something's going on in there. I like that feeling of magic, though. I like, I mean, I, I get that a lot improvising. You know, something happens and you just don't know why or you both have the same idea and it's hard to explain. And I'm sure there's some kind of someone said some word 15 minutes ago that both made you think of this other thing. And, you know, um, you know, there's some kind of explanation for it. But it but you but, but in the moment, because you don't know what it is, it does feel like magic. And I think that feeling is really powerful and and cool and uh, warms my heart. And, you know, I think that's what you chase when you're trying to perform together is, is to just be on the same page and, and let go of all that logic and reason and just like, just let it happen and be there and not try to explain everything. See, this is what's interesting to me is that that gap in not knowing. Okay. And I want to make it clear before I say any of this, that I, I do believe in rational thought. (laughs) I don't think everything (laughs) is a mystical soup, just to be clear, but that, oh, someone must have said something that triggered this. That's still a filling into the blanks with something that I consider to be equal to magic. Yeah. I've, I've had this happen multiple times. Like where sometimes what will happen is I'll be able to figure out what the thing was. Okay. So like um, we're two, I've had this in class where two people, I'm like, let's get a suggestion of a thing. And then two people say the same word at the same time. And then we're all like, whoa, like how did that happen? Yeah. And then maybe like 10 minutes later, I realized like, oh, they both said like crocodile and there's like a dude sitting in the front row with a crocodile on the back of his shirt. Right. Um, yeah, but that's a straight line. But that doesn't always happen. I guess. Yeah, you don't know. I, I think I, I think back to like cognitive psychology s- studies they've done where uh, there's this whole interesting set of um, studies they do where um, things at pre-conscious levels like affect your judgments. So, for example, hmm. they might um, flash an image and it might last like two milliseconds. Um and if they ask you what the image was, you, you can't say what it is. Like, you're like, I have no idea. Um, and if they give you like a, a multiple choice answer, you can't, you can't predict, you can't get that accurately. But then if you're asked to make a judgment about something, what the, whatever the image was affects it. So they, they, they did an experiment where they had people um, uh, judge whether they liked the look of, of different characters. I think Chinese characters. And these huh. were people who didn't speak Chinese. So they didn't know the meaning of the characters at all. They were just like, does it seem pleasant? Do you like it or do you not like it? And right. they were either flashing like uh, angry faces or happy faces. And so when there were happy faces, people rated the characters as being more positive. And so they didn't know why they were doing it. And, and the cause was, well, there was this pre-conscious thing that kind of affected your judgment of it. But in that moment, you would never really know why. So I think a lot of time, I guess, you're right, there is this feeling in the gap of like, well, I don't know what the thing is, but I think I end up just kind of presuming, well, there was there was something that happened that made someone think X or someone think Y and... I, I'll, I'll never get access to the whole pinball or Plinko of the whole thing, but... I mean, I guess I can do the classic thing that, like, conspiracy theorists do and just take it a step back and be like, well, even being able to perceive that is pretty magical. Yeah, it's super cool. Like, I, I think, like, um, I find a lot of wonder in that stuff. Like, like, I think sometimes people... I guess when I hear other... And I don't think you're like this, but I want to hear other people talk about, like, why that takes... That the kind of rationality or discovery process takes the magic out of stuff. It feels like... Um, I don't know, like, well, if there's no God, then like, well, then there's no, this whole, all this stuff isn't very majestic. And I, I kind of feel the opposite. Like sometimes learning about how the universe works or how your brain works is just so freaking cool. Like one I've been thinking a lot about lately is like, you ever been at a really crowded party 
And um, yes, I have. Thanks for asking. Uh, okay, cool. That was it. Uh, isn't that amazing? Just <laughs> yeah, being at I a felt party? so popular. There were so many people there. Um, in the before for time, um, the um, so like you're at a crowded party. There's a lot of talking going on, and you can't really pick out what people are saying across the room, right? Because yeah. it's like a cacophony. But then someone says your name, and that you hear really clearly, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? You yeah. Can just right. And so if if someone said my name. You're, you you wouldn't pick out Rick and I wouldn't pick out Becky, right. but I pick out Rick and you pick out Becky. So think about what that means your ear is doing. It means that like like your brain is actually processing those words on, on, on a level at least of are they relevant to me or not. Right. Right. Um, I think it's called like attenuation. So like... And, and your name has the highest level of relevance. Correct. So it, it, it meets, it clears the bar. But the other stuff, it goes, okay, this is not, this isn't, we, we, we've already, but to even judge whether that's your name or not, you have to be processing it on some level, which is wild, right? Right. So it means are you that, in like, the, you are the kind of, of hearing everything. So you're sort of in that, maybe the Stephen Hawking world of, well, you don't believe in God, and I think he does? I think by the end, he kind of, he, he didn't for a while, and he maybe came around to it, slash, like, I don't, I don't I'm unclear. But a brief history of time was one of the reasons I liked it. And I could only get through a couple chapters and it became too dense for me. I was like, this is supposed to be an everyman's thing. I can't yeah. understand it. But that's sort of like, here is here is a f- thought towards astrophysics, including the existence of a creator. And I found that interesting. Yeah. I mean, it seems like keeping his mind open, I guess. Yeah. And I, I think when I say agnostic, I think like, you know, that I think there are some questions that are just like, beyond the scope of of what there is to know like you know what happened before the big bang we we just don't have any way right now to know that stuff yeah the notion of the notion of infinity is too much (laughs) hurts my hurts my head um yeah and I, i think like for me personally it was kind of like you know, all this stuff is very cultural and emotional. Like, I, I went to church as a kid, um, and then I, I, I think when I was, like, six, I was like, I don't want to go to church anymore. And my parents were like, all right. And then, like, none of us went to church. Like, I think they maybe didn't want to go to church either. They just felt, like, obligated because they are from the South to, like, take us to church. <laughs> right. But then I started going again as a teenager because I was like, oh, I have all these questions about stuff. And then I went again for, like, a year, and I was like, that and didn't answer any of my questions. <laughs> like, I, I, I think... um I think I find personally like a lot of the shape that religion ends up taking. And I, I feel like this is some Christopher Hitchens thing. And all those atheists are like, those like famous atheists are all such jerk offs. I, yeah. I wish they weren't, weren't all such assholes. There's but a bit, there's there's a bit this, much. There's this, uh, someone, one of them had something where it's like, we're all atheists. It's just like some people take it one step further. Like if you believe in Christ, you know, you don't believe in Allah. You don't believe in, you know, um, the god of ancient mesopotamia do you know what i mean like uh. you, you, your disbelief in gods is is you you disbelieve all, like all of the thousands of gods that there have ever been except for this one you know That's what i mean so stupid i guess so but like <sighs> it's isn't that kind of true i mean like uh well, i think for most people who who believe in one's very specific version of a god um I guess. I guess. Versus I a kind of like that. There's that there's, there's something made the universe. I mean, that's a kind of spirituality that that is much more open than most religions are. I mean, I get about, it, but that also sounds like gotcha journalism. <laughs> Here you it's go. True. But I think people are often asking people who are atheists, like, well, how can you not believe in anything? You know what I mean? And and it's kind of like, well, you also don't believe in most of this stuff. So why don't you believe in this god? Oh, I you know see. What I mean? Yeah. Like, Right? Like, why don't you believe in the God of, you know, asking me, why don't I believe in Christ is kind of like, well, why don't you believe in, you know, this guy? It, it's so much just based on what you grew up with and right. how you were introduced to that stuff. Yeah. And I think there's almost like two separate things here, right? There's like the, um, like, what is true about the universe in a concrete way? And then there's the, like, personal spiritual thing that's kind of like, how do I make meaning out of stuff? which I think can be a religious answer, but can also like not be a religious answer in the way that we traditionally think about it, right? Like like that like, can be science? Yeah, or, or just like I make meaning out of like my community or per- performing or being creative or giving love to the people who are near me. Like it's, 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 it's really like the idea of having a meaningless life is truly like, you know, 
I think, you know, I, I can find meaning out of like the idea that like there's a God and that Christ has died for my sins. And that, that can be, a, and I know people who like that gives their life meaning. Like yeah. that is where they derive the, they, everything they do. They, they are like leading from this one example of, of stuff. Right. Um, but I think also like you can derive meaning in so many different ways, but I do think you have to have meaning somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, Hmm. And so it, it is, it's, it's, it's kind of a spiritual act potentially, but it doesn't necessarily posit anything about like, what's the nature of the world or like, who, who made the world or like, is right. there a God with a big beard? And he's like telling you what you're going to do in six months or whatever. Again, it's like the people that tend to know, or there are more experienced, don't say they know what's going on. Right. It's hard yes. to trust people who are absolutist about anything. Yes. And I, th- I, I just, there's so much, uh, I don't know. And I, I catch myself getting that way too when I like learn a new fact. And then I have to remind myself, oh, I don't know anything about this. Like that's, <laughs> that's my most certain is like, I read this one article and you didn't. And I'm going to, you know, but then like the more you read, the more you're like, oh, nothing is really, con-, you know, like everything is so complicated. It's the, uh, uh, it's the um actually effect. Yes. Rick, do you, are you hopeful? Yeah. It's weird. I um I'm generally hopeful. I believe that people are like generally good. Um I think that uh our ingenuity is like there's this thing like I mean we're facing a lot of scary stuff right now and I'm not even really thinking about the pandemic which like is scary but like also what's frustrating right now is like we kind of know how to deal with this but we're just like not doing it well like pandemic yeah like there are people who've been studying this their whole lives and they're like these are the things you do and this is how you solve this problem and we're just like not doing them and not only that Um, but we've already told you that yes and then and there's other people pretending like who knew and it's like we all of us knew for like years for like we knew for decades yeah yeah for Um, even centuries yeah um there's this thing of like um like uh this is going to sound like more nerdy than it needs to be, but like carrying capacity, right? So like, um, like as, as there've been more and more people, we've also like created, um, innovations to be able to feed more people and to be able to like, um, contain more people. So like if, if we were all still hunter gatherers, like I think the earth would only contain enough like resources to feed, to feed like, or to sustain like a very small amount of people. I can't remember the exact number, but it's like 2 million or 10 million or something. But, but the more people you have, then the more, like potential innovators you have to like come up with new technologies to like solve the stuff. So it, it feels right now we're facing a lot of like imminent threats and that makes me feel not hopeful, like global warming and all this stuff. Um, but I do feel like people are scrappy and they're innovative. And so I don't know, but I do sometimes wonder like if that kind of internal feeling that I have that like things will work out is just white male privilege <laughs> like de- like deeply seated and and not actually reflective of reality you know there's a really good joke i read that or like meme that was like did you just uh, manifest it or is it privilege yeah like people being um, like manifested like in my perfect dream job and it's like did you <laughs> so what happened yes totally and do i think you... I, I i don't know yeah I, I sorry go ahead no you go on you're the guest I can't remember what I was going to say. Okay. Well, when you when you look to the future, if you do, what do you see? Oh, man. Personally or globally? Whatever. Or how, however I choose to answer the question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I try to... I don't have, like, personal huge, like, grand plans mm-hmm. um, for, like, an empire I need to build of any type. Um, I'd like to be happy, you know, yeah. and I'd like to, um, you know, fo- follow the things that are currently making me happy and, and try to take them as they come and see what the next step is to, to do more of that. Um, or if those things stop making me happy to do something else. Um, uh, that's a privilege, though. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, that thing I said wasn't really a joke. Like, I, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, the more I learn about, like, history and the more I read... I, I think like, yeah, like, um, there's a lot of survivorship bias potentially in like, um, well, things have always kind of worked out. This is a, a big thing in America. So I think America has this, like, we're the best nation ever slash yeah. like, h- how are we in what, what are we, num- what are we number one in? Also, n- nobody is like, just no, nobody is <laughs> like, why, 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 why yeah. any of it? 
Um, so I think people just assume whatever America does will be the best thing and it's like, or things will just kind of work out. And, uh, yeah, I think that can be a really privileged. I think there is a version of that that is privileged. And I think there's another version of that that is like just the hope and belief in people. Like Hmm. every time I go online, I get very pessimistic about the future of humanity. But when I talk to another person like you, I feel very hopeful. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think, it's possible that our way forward is going to depend on finding ways to have this more of this kind of a connection and less of us screaming at each other across a computer screen. Well, this is the other thing with, with technology and innovation. Um, we have to use it very sparingly yeah, and thoughtfully. And I, when you sort of talk about innovation being important, it's like, yeah, but also like, can this planet support 7 billion people? Right. Maybe it can, but that needs to be the primary question. Not, right. can I have a Snuggie? But it's like not the same people asking and answering that question. So it's like, you know, some of it is kind of like, well, let's say, let's say a scientist tomorrow said we can't, we cannot support uh, more than any more people than we already have. I don't even know how we would enact it. Do you know what I no. mean? Like it's, yeah. it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a, a problem of systems. And if the systems aren't functioning or, you know, there's not a way to get the information through. Um, like you see this, this right now with the pandemic, it's like, okay, we, here's what we should be doing. And like in some places where that information got to the right people to make the right decisions, they're doing really well or relatively well, all, all things considered. And in other places, not so much. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, even here, like I don't want to, I also really don't want to make it seem like Canada is so much better because I have no clue what's happening. I don't go outside. I, mean, I fully believe Canada is so much better. So you can feel free to go down that path. Well, cause... it's a, it's a bad habit that Canadians get into of shitting on the States. Like, because. It's very easy. But also like we have, we have to have police out there kicking people out of parks right now. And they all right. want to just have distancing parties. And it's like, that's not a fun oxymoron. That's, that's not, yeah. you can't, don't do that. <laughs> you know but i think your 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 systems are all healthier the Canada news has... is better the news yeah. by and large is more like news here yeah like very very much so and that's something i noticed in the states where it, it gave me a lot of grace towards people who i couldn't understand the thought processes of i was like this is what you're consuming as news right and not what you're consuming, but like what is given to you and presented right. as news on mainstream channels. Like that's, this is not news. And I think, I mean, there's this kind of, I, I vacillate between that kind of level of empathy and, and feeling really angry towards those people who effectively like, you know, not like ruined our country, but who have, who are making people's lives so much worse and harder now, both culturally and like health wise and all this stuff, because it's also like, not like they don't have access to the right information. But, they, but they're unable to, you know what I mean? They're unable to discern. It becomes like an education thing of like, um, they're just not able to discern like that this is not news. You know what I mean? But or, when like, a government it was, system It's like the thing has... we were talking about earlier too of like how to, how, being scientifically literate. It's just like being media literate or being, being able to be like, what's a primary source? What is, how should you evaluate the message based on who the messenger is? Like, I feel like um, people are not as effective at that. And in some ways, I feel angry that they're bad at it. But I also recognize that it's maybe like a privilege to be able to like learn how to do that or, you know what I mean? Is that making yeah, sense? And, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I think about that. There are places where the public school system is just terrifying and isn't functioning. And that's on purpose to keep people ignorant, I think. And yeah. I mean, I also I also grew up in an environment where like news wasn't very present. I felt really uninformed. And I think that's why I have a soft spot because you know, I still have trouble absorbing all of it, but I also just didn't feel like I was supposed to or that it included right. me or that any of it mattered. So I kind of get it. But you also don't have a certainty about you that, that whatever you think and feel is correct. You Not know anymore. What I mean? <laughs> yeah, but, but, but right. But I mean, like, how did you, how did you even get to that point? Cause I mean, I know people who've, you know, lived their whole lives that way. And it's like, uh, you know, yeah, I guess, it's something I think about a lot of like, wh- where does personal responsibility come in t- to the factor? Because the, the 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 wider the scope of factors that I include, the, the less personal responsibility it seems to put on people. You know, if I become more and more aware of all the systematic reasons why people are the way they are, then it's like, well, to what extent do I hold that hold that person like personally responsible? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I absolutely on do. A, on an emotional level or like on a societal level. Like I think they're both really like complicated questions. 
Well, um, you know what, Rick? It's a pickle. It's a pickle, <laughs> Rick. <laughs> You've been waiting 37 minutes and 20 seconds, too. I just thought of that. To say improv. pickle, Rick. Um, we, well, I'd love to talk to you again. Uh, Rick, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Um, you can find me in my apartment. Um, don't 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 bring your you, germs you, in there you could um <laughs> i uh perform at the magna theater maybe uh in the future uh, we do right now we do we're having all of our shows virtually on twitch so twitch uh slash uh the magna theater um i teach classes at the magna theater as well magnatheater.com and that's about it i don't really have any social media of of note um, um and you still have your flip phone I do still have a, I'm playing with it right now. What do you play um, just, on the flip phone? No, I'm just like futzing with it. I'm just like spinning it over and over in my hand like a poker chip or something. Well, don't break it, Rick, because you're never going to find another one. I, they're, they're, it's like 20 bucks on eBay. They're quite, <laughs> quite available. Well, uh, this has been a wonderful chat. This is so nice. Thanks so much. There's so much more to explore. Yeah. Well, I feel like we really solved everything. Thank you for this. Yeah, we're absolutely correct. Good. Okay, bye, Rick. Bye. The H Word Podcast is happy to be part of the shop. Follow the shop on Instagram at the underscore shop to artwork this week by Stephanie Cormier and our theme music is always by Laura Barrett. For information on all our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at the H Word Pod or sign up for our newsletter at the